It's been a lot of iPhone hype recently, sort of occupying the smartphone airwaves, iPhone 11, iPhone 11 Pro, iPhone 11 Pro Max. <laughs> but it turns out that uh, maybe the exciting phone, maybe, I don't know, that's what these headlines are saying, maybe the exciting phone of the year is what Huawei's working on next because they started to tease what might be the P40, but might just be some completely different model, not even in that series. They teased it. I think it was in a tweet. And the speculation at the moment is it's going to, it's not going to have, it's going to have the, the under display front camera, which I guess would be the first commercial application that we've seen. An image was leaked. I think it was on the French Huawei site because the the event is scheduled to happen in Paris. They frequently have their events there for launching new devices. And so that originally people were were <laughs> originally people were like, okay, it's the P40. But then I'm reading this article uh, by Josh Levinson on T3.com, and he says that 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 wouldn't fit in with their typical schedule for these launches. What does he say exa exactly here? Uh, considering the P20 was launched in April 2018 and the P30 March 2019, it's unlikely that this would be the P40 because the event is listed as 17th of October. So you see what's going on. And if you scroll down right there, Will, you'll see the image is being teased. Now, I don't, rem I don't remember French. I remember a little bit of French. Une nouvelle gamme de smartphone arrivée. You see that right there? Game? New game? Game changer? I mean, we need to do a little Google Translate on it, but a new smartphone is arriving is the way I'm looking at it. Will's, meantime, trying to give us our, our uh, range. New smartphone range. Gamut. Gamut. So maybe it's not even in the spectrum of Mate or P-Series. It's a whole new future series. It's possible. Anyhow, it looks like this event is set to take place on October 17th in Paris. And the takeaway feature that people are presuming, uh, speculating, of course, is this under display camera. Because if you, obviously, you guys listening don't see the image. But if you see the image here, this is an all screen looking thing like we've never seen before. Curved edges. And look at that. That's uh -huh. shocking. And then there's also that little, if you look at the image and inspect it closely, there's that strange glimmer to the right-hand side. It's almost like a reflection, but it's like, it's why is it strategically happening there? Does the camera poke through that area below the screen in the corner? Is it in the center? It's a lot of questions. But Huawei, they've been pretty quick to adopt new technologies in the past and showcase them. And if they're talking about a whole new range... How are you going to launch a whole new range without some sort of new feature, flagship type of feature, feature to get people talking? So maybe that's what's going on. I guess, given the translation of the headline, we can also add to this article in our speculation that it's probably not a P-series or Mate series. It's probably a special new gamut range. One, one new gamut smartphone will arrive. One new yeah, a new uh, okay. So new, uh, they've n not part of their any of their current series. Yeah, 
And the other the other piece of evidence beyond the translation is the fact that they just don't the mate event just happened and the P P series event doesn't happen till later. So how are you in October? How are you October 17th with either of those series? Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to believe that they're going they're going to add a third one into the mix now. And that's kind of interesting. This, of course, also coming on the back of a story I'm going to get to in a moment here relating the trade situation, which there's an update on China-U.S. trade. So maybe things are looking up for Huawei right now. Maybe it's all it's all very well-timed. It's quite possible. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, I mean, you guys can let me know what you think. It's, it's, of course, strictly speculation at this point based on a singular image. Maybe you have more insight about it. But nonetheless, we were probably going to be seeing something unexpected, something shocking potentially mm -hmm. on October 17th, which, by the way, Will, is only six days away. Yep. Mark it in your calendars. So can we just get one more uh, reading of the headline there from you, Will, since I gave it a shot? All right. Un novel game de smartphone arrive. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> to the French to the French yeah. fans in the audience. I gotta apologize. Yeah, it's offensive, really. It's it's a rough one. Yeah. Anyhow, hopefully he was close. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, I opened the show. I said, so far, uh, recently at least, it's Apple stealing all the headlines with the iPhone 11 stuff. Apparently, their stock is benefiting as well. Wall Street really into Apple right now. They are nearing all-time highs in terms of the stock. You see that they're they're climbing back up to that to that key point over there. Shares of the tech giant crossed the $233.47 level after a Wall Street analyst raised his price target Friday morning, eclipsing the previous record set on October 3rd, 2018. So this is not just about iPhones, by the way. Of course, we've stated it seems like this new iPhone is doing better than the last. Uh, it's a, a lot of it, since we don't have official numbers, has to come on the different stories you're seeing globally if you're hearing about lineups. If you call local stores, they're still out of stock. Apparently, the green one is hard to get your hands on. And any pro model at 256 storage is sold out across a lot of the U.S. So, again, this is not official numbers. You don't know what Apple's doing from a production perspective to meet the, the demand. Mm -hmm. But there's, there seems to be some, some various inputs as far as from where I'm sitting that imply that the iPhone is doing pretty well. But it's not just about the latest iPhone. We're also very close to the official launch of the new Apple TV Plus stuff and when they flip that switch that's the kind of stuff that makes wall street very happy because w the install base that exists for apple is wild it's beyond what somebody like netflix can do even somebody like disney can do definitely something beyond what some what amazon can do maybe only google can do what apple's about to do with tv plus which is just hit your hit your screen hit the app store Get your TV Plus. Let's get watching some stuff mm -hmm. because they have this huge hardware install base of various devices. And it's not just iPhones. It's also Apple TVs and iPads and, and Mac laptops and so forth. And we don't know really how they're going to leverage that installed base to promote what they're working on 
with the TV Plus. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of thing where a lot of it right now is 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 in the hype zone. A lot of it right now is prior to us seeing the evidence of how that's all going to go down. But that's what Wall Street aims to do. They aim to project. They aim to make their best guess. They try to get in early before this these new profits roll in and other people want to jump into the stock as well. In our opinion, with an installed base of 900 million active iPhones worldwide, we believe Apple has an opportunity to gain 100 million consumers on the streaming front in the next three to four years. This come a hundred million subscribers, yeah, six bucks a month. Well, that's impressive. Hundred million subscribers, six bucks a month. Well, yes, it's a lot of money. Might even be a boatload. My calculation says, be. my my calculation shows a boatload. It might just be. Uh. Yeah, and that's monthly. So they're cashing that check every single month, Wall Street. You know, they like that stuff. So anyhow, uh, Apple's gone up and down, as as you would if you're a stock. They've gone up and down, but they're nearing this all-time high. And obviously, when you're talking about stocks, I mean, this, this show is not a stock analysis show. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. But iPhone's doing well, and the launch of Apple TV Plus are both major inputs for where this stock ends up so it's worth considering it's it's worth our limited analysis uh google stadia we haven't talked about it in a while mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's coming i think it has the potential to be disruptive in a similar way that apple could be disruptive with tv plus not that i'm personally i don't know what i'm thinking about tv plus but disruptive nonetheless stadia kind of has the same advantage but on the on the Google side of things mm. with that installed base which is massive in and of itself and the fact that now you're you're potentially going to have access to this whole different kind of experience on the devices you already own through a service mm -hmm. granted you could buy the controller and you don't need it though you don't no. need the hardware it's a it's a it's an extra if you decide to go with it now the biggest concern that people have about stadia is the potential for latency and lag yep. and they're just wondering what is the gaming experience really going to be like is it is it going to be something that's able to to compare to, to a typical local gaming experience that i might be used to as a gamer well there's some new terminology getting tossed around that kind of got me excited google wants Stadia to have negative latency. You know, I want you to think on that one, Will, for a second. Go ahead. Yeah, let the people know negative, negative latency. Hmm. What does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. That's a time machine. Negative latency is a time. What are you going back in time? Hmm. You're, going, it's a, you're going backwards. Hmm. Negative latency. That's exactly right. So... The explanation there, by the way, Jack just said, I heard they're doing something predictive. That's how it goes. It's just speculation at the moment what they might mean by saying negative latency. But Gizmodo, in their article, they speculate it some, could be some form of a predictive system that guesses the player 
the player's button inputs algorithmically, then renders the frames before sending them to the screen. Wow. And then what? Does it have to have A, B, C, like all the various versions pre-rendered and then feed you the one and it can just get better at guessing right. more frequently? Now you have your negative latency. I don't know how it's even going to make gamers feel knowing <laughs> the, the algorithm is gaming better than you. Yeah, the move is already done. The move is already done. You're Whoa, it's heavy. Walking. It's heavy. It's, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what type of conundrum we find ourselves here. Uh. You're gaming, but you're not really gaming. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just let the algorithm game and go take a nap? <laughs> yeah. It's going to do a far better job. No, of course that's not what you want to do. That's no fun. So this is launching in November. It's coming up very soon. And it sounds to me, if, if you're out there, if you're the, who, the head of engineering at Stadia and you're out there using terms like negative latency, you're probably pretty happy with what you've achieved. Mm -hmm. You're probably pretty happy with your, your perception of the potential performance of something like Google Stadia. So I would say even this terminology getting thrown around is positive for people who were skeptical of the potential performance of Stadia. It all sounds very good on paper. Of course, the marketplace will wait until they have their own access in order to, to make that judgment for themselves if it's, if it's worthwhile or not and where that latency stands. But as of right now, it, it sounds to me like there's some pretty smart people doing some pretty smart things. Oh, yeah. Unlike us around here. Yeah. Yeah, that ain't us. Or negative thinking. Oh. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Jack, that was rude what you just did, okay? Jack gave Will a big <laughs> Which is kind of a laugh, but it's also, it's yeah. also kind of like, well, I deserve sure, it. bud. It's, it's also got a sure, bud aspect. Yeah. So, but he's gen Jack's generally rude to most people around here, so it's not a big deal. Will showed me this one. For the shopper who has everything, the UK's Royal Mint has created a $23,000 gold debit card. Uh, this, one, this one stood out to me because we recently talked about the Apple card. It, it kind of, that thing was floating around the web like crazy. As far as a card, uh, a payment card acting as a status symbol... And I think theirs is made out of titanium. Is that right, Will? Apple's yes. card? So it's made out of titanium. It's super minimal. CNC. No. Yeah, no, it's got no card number on it. You're way too cool for a card number. Gives you extra bonuses if you shop more at Apple. And so there was a bunch of videos being made about this, and some people were like, hey, this is a not even the greatest card, but you're going to get it anyways because it's Apple and it fits into the whole ecosystem. And should your card be tied to your phone and all the rest of it? But in reality, it might just be a cool card that's designed nicely and looks better than whatever current card you're carrying. Well, it doesn't stop there because this company, well, I guess the UK's Royal, Royal Mint on behalf of MasterCard or working with MasterCard, they came up with something that's a showstopper that's really going to get some attention. An 18-karat gold payment card uh, made of the actual precious metal and the price is going to be $23,000, though you can go even higher than that if you have specific personalizations and designs that you want to have on there on either the front or the back. Mm. But it's important to note, as far as this uh, status symbol is concerned, it's got the real gold in there, and that's got some value to it on its own. You know, melt it down if you need to. 
you know, the guy on TV, Will, who'll buy your gold? Yeah. The uh Oliver Cashman, Oliver Jewelers. That's the that's the meme classic Toronto gold buyer guy. We grew up, you had to see him on TV, give you money for your gold. Uh every town, every city has one of these guys, as far as I know. He's the cash man. He's the cash man. <laughs> give you money for your gold. He would and he would paint himself in gold. Uh he's still doing it. As far as I, as far as I know, multiple locations. There, there he is. is. That's him, Oliver. Uh, shout out, Oliver. It's many of our child childhood heroes here in the Toronto area. <laughs> Either him or Doug Gilmore. I don't know, one or the other. Yeah. But every every town every town and city has has a gold buyer like this. So presumably this card has some value, just in gold, which is interesting. But it doesn't take away the fact that it's going to be a, a little. You're, you're going to be a little nervous carrying around a $20,000 card in your wallet at all times. I, I don't know what type of, I don't know what part of town, I don't know what part of town you go to, Willie Do. Hmm. Or Jack. I don't know where you guys are hanging out, where you just got 20 Gs in your pocket, 23,000 to be exact, without the personalized customizations. Yeah. So that's a commitment on that front. But I guess if you're, if you are in the market for one of these, you probably don't hang out in those parts of town. No. You probably just you go from you go to the underground parking only. Yeah. In the in the the facility with the guard at the door. Mm -hmm. So that's the life you're living anyway. The Royal Mint, which has minted coins in England for over 1,100 years, developed the card with Mastercard and Accomplish Financial, who's the service provider for electronic payments. It's going to be a limited run of only 50 gold cards. So you got to be special to get in on one of these. They claim it's hard to buy things that are exclusive these days. It's hard to buy things that are unique in this world. That's what they say. Uh, so here's one way of doing so. Uh, but it is important to note when it comes to these metal cards, well, they don't work with contactless payments. So there's no tapping. Oh. You're not tapping to pay for things. If you go with the gold card, I see. So just keep that in mind. If you're in the, I know you're in the market, Will. Mm -hmm. Just want to make sure we're clear. Mm -hmm. I know you're, you're thinking about it right now. I'm on the fence. You're on the fence. Uh, I've got one of these Surface Laptop 3s coming in, Will. You didn't know that. See, I caught you off guard. You didn't know that. Oh, it's coming right now. All right. What's coming? Surface Laptop 3. Yeah, I got it coming. Okay. All right. Do you have it coming? Okay, say so I got it coming this okay, time. Okay, okay. So just to be clear, yeah. Sometimes I'm in the background, yeah, making moves. It's not just Willie Do. He's not the only one making moves around here. Yeah. Uh, I decided to get ahead of the, get ahead of the curve a little bit and actually order uh, a very specific specification because I want to make sure it was the exact one that I wanted to examine and compare. Because okay. I'm talking a lot, talking a lot recently about trying to nail down. The perfect laptop. It's a real uh, mission of mine. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do. You try them out. You 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 see from your point of view. You know what you're looking for, what you like and don't like, and 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 most importantly, how you use it, what you expect of it. Right. And so I bounced around different laptops, different sizes. I was using 13, 14 inch laptops for a long time. Then I started to enjoy the benefits of a larger display, 15 inch. I've been really enjoying using this one on the desk right now. I made the video recently. It's the new ThinkPad X1 Extreme. 
Gen 2. And this is with the OLED display 4K. Very expensive, though. And it's got... It, it probably has too much horsepower for what I do on the daily. It's kind of nice to have that extra headroom. To I mean, this one in front of me here, it's got uh, dedicated graphics. It's got an i9 processor, a 9880H. Like, this is all top-tier stuff, mm -hmm. which is great. Good to have. And still somewhat lightweight. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the marketplace thinking, okay, what can come in and contend? And under what premise? What am I going to give up? What am I going to get? So when I saw the announcement for the Surface Laptop 3, I was immediately interested because it was a thin and light 15-inch laptop. Now, it's really easy to find thin and light laptops that are 13 inches. There's plenty of Ultrabooks. Mm -hmm. There's plenty, there's just so much selection. But once you get up to 15-inch laptops, frequently, frequently what ends up happening is they become uh, rammed with specs and horsepower. For the, for the pro user. For the pro user, it becomes either a workstation or a gaming laptop, mm -hmm. pretty much, at 15 inches. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. But Microsoft went a different way with it. Now, I'm not saying that the Surface Laptop 3 isn't powerful. It is, but it looks like the emphasis is on portability and ultrabook characteristics. So I don't know, maybe you can bring up the specs, maybe you can bring up the weight on it, which is most interesting to me. And of course it's very thin as well, but I believe the weight is coming in at around three and a half pounds. Now my particular specification of the X1 Extreme here is closer to four pounds. I know we're nitpicking now. It's what, you know, sometimes it's what you do. But this thing's going to be lighter than a MacBook Pro. Maybe Will's got the spec here. It's very important. We got we to gotta nail the exact characteristics. Uh, 3.4 pounds for the 15-inch. Hmm. Platinum and matte black. That's very lightweight for a 15-inch laptop. And they claim, Microsoft claims, it's going to be the most powerful in its class. Who knows what class that is? Apparently, there are other 15-inch thin and lights out there. Microsoft thinks theirs will be more powerful than those. Certainly not more powerful than this laptop sitting in front of me. As I mentioned, i9, dedicated graphics, and so forth. And we got all those razor blade laptops that even have graphics beyond that. Mm -hmm. But for the day-to-day, -day, when you're sitting on the couch, sitting on a chair, you're catching up on the email, you're living your life as you would. Mm -hmm. Guy like you. Mm -hmm. you, live, you're, you're, you live a life. <laughs> Do I? See? Yes. And then you start to notice things about laptops. Then you start to get real personal with them, Will. You start to notice if they get a little hot. You start to notice if they growl a little bit at you. The nuance of things, right? You start to notice things. Yeah. And that's where you start to get excited about the potential for a thin and light with an emphasis on other attributes, which is what Microsoft aimed at. So that got me a bit pumped up so much so that I wanted to make sure I had the exact spec I was looking for coming in. So the one that I decided to order, if you go to the configure now, and it's, I will say, the configuration tool is a bit strange because of how it's all laid out. But I picked the 15-inch, not in black, believe it or not. And I'll tell you why right now. The black aluminum, and I have the 13-inch Surface laptop sitting somewhere here and various Razer products that have matte black aluminum. The fingerprints, it's just too much for me. Yeah. At times. Mm -hmm. it, you, they, they show, it shows smudges. It's just the nature of the thing. I love the idea of it being all black, but they got to figure out a way 
maybe go uh, not quite so dark or come up with some other type of fit. I don't know what they're going to do. But anyway, so I went for the one on the far right there. That's the one. I believe they call it platinum metal. Okay, so it still has the black bezel around the display, but platinum metal. Oh, also, I almost forgot. It has an unusual aspect ratio, which brings your line of sight a little higher. Yeah, it's taller. It's a taller display as well, ba uh, aimed at productivity tasks. Is it so, four by three? Four by three, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Or is it three by two? Oh. Well, how do they? How do they? How do they? I don't know how they say it. It's a taller screen. It's more of a square, less of a rectangle. Right. Uh, anyhow. The one that I got is, if you scroll down, so for the record, this thing starts at 1000 bucks, But by the time you're into the 15-inch, you go to 1200 Oh, you can't, you don't see the one that I ordered actually on there. Oh, you're on the U.S. store. They must have, oh, there, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, you got this it. This one right here? That's the one, you got yeah, it. Yeah, I can't select it. No, 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 that's not the one I got. That one's insane. That's the 13.5 oh, with I the i7. Select. Yeah, that's the one I got right there. Okay, so 15-inch platinum metal. It has this Ryzen collab that they worked on with AMD, 3780U, 16 gigs of RAM, and 512 gigs of storage. After that, it gets more expensive. I actually think the Canadian online store had a few more options than this, but that's the one that I got. So it's this, it's the upgraded chip, but you get to around 2000 bucks. So it's not cheap. It's not the value point. Uh, they've added some things to it. It now has USB Type-C, which is nice. It still doesn't have the versatility of ports that this one does. It's still lacking a lot as a workstation, but as a couch situation mm -hmm. for people that are mostly into productivity tasks, email, web browsing, and so forth, it could be a really interesting 15-inch computer. But it doesn't have an SD card slot. I mean, this thing has two Thunderbolt 3s. I mean, a full-size HDMI outport. We're not in that territory, but nonetheless, I'm excited to check it out. It comes on the 22nd of October. So I'm just keeping everybody in the loop. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. But for me, it's pretty exciting. I'm into laptops. What can I say? All right, last one for me. This comes back to the Huawei news from the top of the show. We have some, some positive uh, developments in the world of, of U.S.-China trade disputes, okay. ongoing disputes. Trump announces phase one trade deal with China. This just, at the time, this came out uh, today. This news came out today. Under this agreement, the U.S. will no longer go forward with a planned tariff increase on October 15th on $250 billion worth of Chinese goods. President Donald Trump said Friday that the U.S. and China had reached a substantial phase one deal on trade that will eliminate the tariff hike. Uh, some specifications of the deal. Apparently, they're going to target agriculture. China will agree to purchase 40 to $50 billion of U.S. agriculture products. Uh, the agreement will also include commitments by China related to its currency, intellectual property. That's the interesting one for tech fans because that was the accusation from companies like T-Mobile that certain there, there were certain trade secrets being stolen and in, intellectual property uh, rights that would exist in the U.S. that weren't being followed in China. So that's a piece of the trade deal. And allowing U.S. financial services industry access to Chinese markets. So those are some key uh, aspects of the uh, potential deal of the uh, it sounds like a done deal they haven't written it yet we've come to a deal on intellectual property financial services a tremendous deal for the farmers this is uh, trump's words of course and uh, a purchase of 40 to 50 billion worth of agricultural products this doesn't end the tariff situation altogether it just cools it off and eliminates the upcoming 
version of it, the, the increase of those tariffs, there is apparently going to be a phase two. They're working okay. on a phase two version of it as soon as phase one is done. Uh, there's still there's still the potential here to eliminate another round of tariffs that's set to go into effect on December 15th. That's the one that affects consumer goods such as clothes, toys, and electronics. Uh, obviously, everything is not done here. We have this news. There's also news that emerged today, yesterday, of licenses being granted to companies that want to sell or interact with Huawei. And, and Trump is behind those licenses also, so long as it, in his, in his opinion, doesn't uh, present any issues with security, national security. Those are, that's his words. That's all his stuff. Right. Okay. So you have that. Now you have this. And what we're starting to see is some movement, some momentum here towards potential resolution and some of the most promising news if what if you if what you're looking for as an onlooker is some uh, is an end to this dispute then this is the first truly positive thing we've seen in a while mm -hmm. uh <clears throat> it doesn't immediately solve the situation for uh, if you're a tech fan there's still a lot of questions that exist out there uh and time will tell just how solid these agreements happen to be, but if you combine this news, the Huawei news, all the various other news going on, you could see a future in which there's a cool off and the and the borders open back up and potentially global trade starts to kind of go back to where it was right. pre-tariff zone. Uh, the stock market, once again, two stock market mentions in one episode. The stock market has r responded favorably. People are happy. People are making money already just on the speculation that China and the U.S. are going to be cool. Yet, the, I mean, here's the thing, Will. If they don't sort it out, you essentially end up with splintered world economy where some countries do business with some and others don't and the, there's restrictions and so forth. And there's pot pot potentially big problems that emerge in that type of environment. Mm -hmm. So... I understand people who have a strong point of view and an opinion on either side of this particular argument, but shutting down communication completely and not being open to the potential for progress here could lead to other places, unfavorable places. So let's just keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, that's it for me. We end on a, a high political note. We can't dive too much deeper on a politics. It's not a politics show. No. But I know you guys, I know, Will, you've been saving up. You've been saving up over the last couple of days. Yeah. You yourself have uh, have some hot, some hot articles that you just need to bring forth. Well, yeah. I mean, this one's pretty cool. It uh, it surrounds itself with technology, cool tech, and uh, it it came from Twitter. Um, in light of what's happening in Hong Kong, uh, this kind of actually came up um, right now, but it happened like. Two years ago in 2017 this this tech here is two years two years old yes interesting but people yeah. are using it right now yes okay. so this girl is um you know she made this product which is a projector that you put on your head it's like a headband that projects a face on your face it was like a video game face yeah and i think the reason is it's because of anonymity 
you, you want to be anonymous when you're on camera or something like that. You can walk the streets anonymously without a mask. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just showing the video right now, and it's literally projecting a face onto the person who's talking. And uh, you get you, to become some sort of a video game character. Yeah, an old person, a girl. Now, it's important to know it doesn't look perfect. It's got a very bizarre, it's an uncanny feel to it. Yes. And, of course, you're wearing a giant projector on your head. I mean, you look, it looks sort of like some, some type of hat or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but it's brightly lit. Yeah, it works. Um, and, it, and, it, and, yeah, it works. Like, it doesn't show the person's face at all. It obscures their face. Wow. It's much brighter than I expected to be. You see it's pitch black all around. But this is, yeah, it's, I mean, you, a person could give an interview, you know, in those in the movies when they got the person talking, and it's, but it has to be dark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what did they use? Unsolved Mysteries or am I, do I remember this correctly? They would lower the voice uh -huh. and then it would just be a shadowy figure. Yeah. You did that once, Jack. <laughs> you remember that for a video you did that <laughs> with the voice you were the shadowy figure no one's gonna be able to figure out which video that was no one's ever going to find that but jack had this bright idea one time that he was <laughs> it wasn't his idea no not at all uh, yeah very cool technology is this a thing that you can buy will or is this a diy it's a diy it's a university project I see. So how are people getting their hands on them now? Um, I don't know if she's actually selling them or anything. I think it's just like a experiment, a social experiment is what I can think of. But, but are, uh, are people not wearing these in the streets at the moment? Uh, that, you know what, that I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. They could be. They could be. But I feel like that thing's going to be quite expensive compared to a simple mask, one of those nose mouth masks right right but i guess you're if you wear one of those your identity is still sort of there like yeah your eyes are if your eyes are exposed your head that's true this is a complete you're completely that's cool it's very futuristic it's got a it's got a black mirror vibe to it for sure uh -huh. i think if people want to appreciate it they really got to go and watch the clip it's on youtube it's called a wearable face projector wow very cool willie do it's always he's always in the web oh we should also you shout it out Aiden Films yep. the other day. His this this square steak video is going crazy viral right now. This is uh super high-end Wagyu steak. Five million views now in two days on a steak, ladies and gentlemen. And the coolest thing about this video, you don't even know this, Will. Coolest thing about this video is the way it's served. Okay, you don't know this. I gotta educate you. Okay. Because okay? you don't really know what you're watching. All right. All right. I know, you I know you spend time watching, but you're not really sure what you're watching here. He, you only get the tiny, you only get the three slivers to eat, and then the other three aren't cooked until you've eaten those. Right. You see how that goes? Yeah, yeah. Because you've got to eat it at the exact right temperature each time. Mm -hmm. Also, what we learned, if you would like to get views on the internet, take something that's normally one shape and make it another shape. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just shave the ends off of it. I mean, the thumbnail. The thumbnail is unbelievable. It's sizzling. You see the butter down there. No, it's cooked through. It's still, I would say, I medium, product. maybe. It's so buttery and, and uh, 
fatty to begin with. Jack, it's so tender. If you see the knife go through it, it's honestly like butter. It's so tender. Yeah, and we always get to food at the end of the show every time that everybody's hungry and then we get to food. But anyhow, he paid the rarest steak in the world. I've watched a number of his videos and they're always, it's always between, you know, 100 and 200 bucks for these steaks. These are, this man is eating fancy steaks. Yep. And he cooks his own. And he cooks his own. Yeah. Sometimes in his backyard. And, or and, and, and he eats a lot of seafood and other things as well. Uh, so, but this one, he doesn't put the price though. He does show the price on the menu. Let's do a quick, let's do a quick, uh, conversion here. When he lifts up the menu, Will, take a glance at the price in yen and let's do a, oh, stop right there. 20,000 yen. Give us a 20,000 yen. $2. To what you do you guys it. think? I mean, it's probably 200, 300. Say 150. Two, okay, here we go. 184. Okay. Yeah. So that particular square steak, that's a $200 steak. You got to put a little tax on there. Jack's not happy about it. More expensive. What do you want? Well, five? This, is, this is only Wagyu. Um, there's like Kobe, which is yeah. like, the world, like the world's best. A A1 Kobe. See, he doesn't say, by the way, that this is the most expensive. He says the rarest. In other words, he can't get it everywhere yeah it's very specific the, the choice of steak is olive beef sirloin it's 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 an exclusive type of beef uh where the 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 cattle is raised on the remains of pressed olives yeah you see jack you don't even know so i'm going to japan after this i'm gonna catch the next flight and i'm heading to the prefecture mm. so you didn't know i knew that will <laughs> yeah I told you about that. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, shout out Aiden Films. If uh, if you're feeling hungry, go check out the Square Steak. You probably already saw it in your suggested. Five million views, couple of days on a steak. Ladies and gentlemen, have a nice dinner.